Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. So many things just follow. And what we learned was this, is that Jesus invited very unqualified, odd, unique, sinful, weird people. Like, so you're in. That's my point. You're in. So if you ever wondered, like, I don't feel like I probably should go to church. So I know some people joke and I'll invite somebody to church and they're like, man, if I showed up, lightning would strike. No, Jesus would just invite you to your, you know, in, and then he'd invite himself to your house apparently for a dinner party. And that's how Jesus did it with other sinners. And so you just say, Hey, no, I'm coming to your house. Let's, let's invite all your crazy buddies. And, and that's what they would do. And so there's this invitation. There's no prerequisite. There was never a, Hey, clean it up first, buddy. Then you can follow me. Jesus didn't do that at all. It was just a pure invitation. It was an invitation into relationship and usually the way that that invitation worked was is, is that normally it was just relational it was it was connection and then you would take a step right that's how you follow anyway right you take a step and you would take a step into his direction you'd take a step maybe at some point where you had to trust him a little bit you'd eventually take a step where maybe it was a little inconvenient or you sacrificed something but you kept taking these steps until you eventually saw god for who he was and in light of that, you saw who you really were, and it all began to like, oh. And that's how we start following Jesus. Everybody say today. Today, though, I wanted to like, let's dive in now. Let's get into the deeper end of the pool. Uh, because when somebody, if somebody came up to you on the street and just said, follow me, what would you probably say first? Um, no, go away. You're, you know, you're weird. Yeah, I don't, you would probably, but you, you would probably say something like, where are we going? Right? Like if I, let's just say if I ran up to you, because now we know each other a little bit. What if I just ran up to you and said, hey, don't follow me. What would you say? Uh, where are we going? Where are we going? Which is the best question that I think you can ask. So everybody, let's say it together. We're going to say, where are, you, where are we going? Ready? One, two, three. Where are, we going? where are we going? So if Jesus invites you to follow, then you need to kind of like, okay, Jesus, like I trust you because you're Jesus. And I trust you because, well, you're, you're Jesus. And I'll just go with that and that, that alone. I'll humor you. But where are we going is the logical question. And that's what we're going to answer today. So here's the deal, though. What I, what I discovered was is that the answer is not what I thought it was. Because there's some obvious answers. There's some very churchy answers, religious-type answers to that question, where are we going? So I'll, I'll give you a great example. This is a very, very common idea. Where are we going if you follow Jesus? Well, I'm going to follow Jesus, and the destination is it's so that I can be a better person, right? Because that's what religion's for. Religion's to teach you how to be a good moral person, a better person, all, all that good stuff. And you'd be wrong. This is just a religious idea. This is a churchy idea. Now, let me ask you a question. If you follow Jesus... Will you become a better person? Yeah, I mean, probably. I mean, it's hard to walk around with Jesus and not at least have that infect you and rub off on you and you pick up on some things, and it will. If you'll just trust Jesus and follow Jesus, you will become a better person. I just, I just believe that to be true. But that's just not what he said. That's not what he has said. That's, that's not what he preached. That's my point. Does that make sense? Here's another one, and this is super common. Many of us are here today, and it started with this idea. It's so we can go to heaven. What's the destination of following Jesus? Bless God, it is heaven. Right? We all want to go to a place where there's no pain, suffering, tears, you know, streets of gold, and just no more worry or any of that stuff. And that now let me ask let me ask you a question. If you follow Jesus, will you eventually get to heaven? Some of y'all are not sure. I'm gonna tell you the answer. Yeah, okay, yeah. You, but that's just not what he has said. Isn't that a, isn't that a trip? 
Now, that's what most churches preach, though, isn't it? Most churches are going to scare the hell out of you, right? Literally, they preach fire or brimstone to hell so that they can get you to heaven, right? And that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad motive. So if you ever, if you ever like, came to Jesus, because remember, remember when you were little? That's, that's like when you're little, you're like, oh, dear Lord, I ain't going there. And so I'm going to follow Jesus so that I don't have to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. Now, again, it's true. It's just not what Jesus taught. That wasn't his main message. As a matter of fact, Jesus actually kind of taught the inverted. He, he, if you look, there's not any real sermons where Jesus says, follow me, so one day I'm going to take you to heaven. Actually, what he said was, follow me, and if you follow me, you'll bring heaven to earth. Remember, he was always preaching about the kingdom of heaven. It was not the kingdom of heaven in like where we go later. He was talking about living in a state of being now, living in a mindset now, living in a world now where God is my king and I'm living in his kingdom right here right now that's just i don't know if you knew that or not that's that's what that's what jesus number one message was it was not get to heaven one day because that's like almost like escapism right let's just hunker down and hold on till we all get out of here <laughs> bless god it's all going to you know and then let's just do it i'll fly away remember that no nope okay that was an old church hymn i'll fly i'll fly away we're just sitting around hoping we fly away one day so but that's not what jesus taught just Food for thought. Here, here's another one. Last one I'll give you. For us. It's, I'll follow Jesus so Jesus can fix all my problems. Yeah, that's not what Jesus taught either. Now, let me just say, if you follow Jesus, that alone will fix a lot of your problems. And, and the logic is this, that if you follow Jesus and you will allow him to kind of like mold you into his image, that alone prevents you from doing a lot of dumb stuff. A lot of sinful stuff, a lot of foolish stuff. And that alone will remove tons and tons of negative outcomes and consequences in your life. It just will work out. But that's not what he has said. As a matter of fact, not only did he not preach the inverted of this one, he actually preached the opposite of this one. He goes, for some of you, you're going to have problems because you follow me. And we all signed up as quickly as we could, right? We're like, yes, I want more problems, Jesus. That's what I need. And so, so this is not now, because here's the deal. If you ever find a, a preacher or a religion or a, a something that says, if you do this, God's always going to do this for you. That's not true. Does that make sense? Like, 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 for instance, like there are things in different religions and even like camps of Christianity that preach that if you always do this, you'll always get that. You know what we call that? That's called magic. Right? That's what that is, right? As a matter of fact, I was talking to somebody about this not too long ago. Does anybody know? Does anybody know what that is? A knife? Oh, a knight. Oh, like a little chess piece? No, no, no. Nobody knows what this is? This is good. This is a good sign. Um, this is St. Joseph. Now that you're too far away. But now do you know what it is? You know what a little St. Joseph statue is? Anybody know? Okay, here's the deal. We were talking about this the other day because somebody was selling their house. Um, because what do you do with St. Joseph? You bury him. You can get this for $4.99 on Amazon Prime. And it comes with a little instruction kit. I'm not making this up. How do you think I got this? When I, was, when I was in Bible college, I worked at a Christian bookstore, and we sold these things. And people would come in. And I'd never seen this stuff before. I'm at like this Pentecostal Bible college. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, what the heck? It's like, we're, we're idols and statues? What is this? And, and then they told me what it was. And basically, it's this old tradition that says, if you're selling your house, that if you will... Are you taking a picture of me? Like, like this? 
I never, I never thought that was a, a photographic moment. Anyway, let, I digress. Um, but, but what you would do is if you wanted to sell your house, and, and if your house wasn't selling, if you went and buried him upside down in your yard, your house would sell. That's jacked up, ain't it? There's like a little prayer you can pray to him. That's not biblical either, by the way. Don't pray to St. Joseph. And by the way, St. Joseph isn't even like a real saint. Like, we don't even know anything about him. Like, we know like there's like a couple of chapters in the Bible and then he disappears and we don't know anything about him. Nothing. But we, some, somebody decided to turn him into a saint. And then somebody, and, and it goes back to this old legend of they used to threaten. Somehow it was weird. It was like they would threaten the saint to say, we'll bury you if you don't answer our prayers. That's magic, people. Let's, let's just, let's know. So my point, my point is, is that if you ever find a system that says if you'll just do this, you'll always get this. Because you can't shrink God down. That's what you need to know. The whole point of the second commandment of the Ten Commandments was don't shrink me down. Don't try to put me into a little statue or a little thing or something you can manage. Don't shrink me down. You cannot formulize God. He's not a math formula, right? Two plus two equals four, even in France. Anywhere you go, it's always the same, right? That's not how God is. Now, his character is faithful and consistent, but you can't formulize God. And so the idea that if I always do this or if I never do that or whatever, because some of y'all are weird. Uh, some of y'all are like, yeah, I was really, you know, I went out this week and I did something bad and then my tire went flat. And I think God's getting me. I don't know that you just need to rotate your tires. <laughs> but following Jesus will not fix all of your problems. You're going to see the destination. You want to know what the destination is if you follow Jesus? Let's see, because he says it a bunch of times, but this is, this is just one of the big texts that maybe talks about it the best. Matthew chapter 10, this is where he really, by the end of this little discourse here, he's going to teach you and tell you what the destination is if you'll follow him. And it's not what you think. Listen to this. Verse number 16 says this. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. That does not sound good. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes... And as innocent as doves, I'll take a side note here. This is one of those kind of odd scriptures where you're like, Jesus, did you just go guru on me? And it's not. It's simple. To them, they use the Old Testament as the lens through which they interpreted things. So when they talked about snakes, the way that you would think about a snake is in Genesis chapter 3. The Bible says that there was a snake in the garden. He was more cunning than all the other beasts, of the, all that, right? So he was saying, hey, when you go out and you deal with incredibly difficult, complicated situations, be as wise as a serpent and as innocent as a, a dove. A dove was like a sacrificial offering. And so he was saying this, be innocent. Be at peace. Like, be pure in your motives. But, like, be thoughtful. Like, be intentional. Be strategic. Have some incredible timing and thoughtfulness about you. Be as wise as a serpent and as harmless as a dove. So if you ever wanted to know how do you deal with difficult people or circumstances or situations, that's a good scripture to go back on. So then he goes and he starts defining things. Now this is where it gets real. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. Everybody say flogged. That's a beatdown. That's what that is. That's a stick. They would literally tie you to something and then beat you with a stick. That's what flogged. So again, these disciples are like, what? I let you into my boat. Uh, you said it would be cool. You're the rock star. Everybody thinks we're awesome. There's these big crowds. We're having these big meetings and crowds are coming out. And, and what are you talking about? Is what they would have been saying. Because at this point in time, and you need to know this, most of Jesus' ministry was awesomeness. Most of Jesus' ministry, as a matter of fact, we know this because it would say stuff like this. It would say that the bad guys, the Pharisees, wanted to like arrest Jesus, but they couldn't because they were afraid of the crowds. 
What does that tell you about Jesus? He had crowds. He was like a rock star. He was huge. He had, you remember he was feeding people. He was healing people. Everybody loved this guy for the vast majority of his ministry. And so they're like, I don't understand. What do you mean we're going to get a beat down? And the flogging was something that you like, it was like a permanent marker on your life, right? So like next time you went to the beach, they were like, oh, dang. It was something that stayed with you. It scarred you. So anyway, let's keep going. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles, which is weird because they're all Jewish kids in Israel. And and what Jesus is doing is really this. He's forecasting what the long-term future is going to look like. And the book of Acts shows you that all this stuff actually happened. This was all true. He's warning them way in advance that if you follow me, just know, and again, not for you, because we don't flog people in America yet, or hopefully never, and, and it's just, but, but he's talking to them. I want you to see how, how this progresses, because it, get, it gets worse. It goes this, but when they arrest you, when, wait a minute, this is indefinite, yeah, but when they arrest you, don't worry. What? Don't worry what you're going to say or how to say it, because at the time that you will, be give, you will be given what to say, for it won't even be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you, which is crazy, because um, if you were one of the disciples, you would be like, whoa, 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 don't worry about what I'm going to say. That's not what I'm worried about, Jesus. I just got to beat down and thrown in prison. I've got other worries and concerns more than what I'll say right now. And if God, wait a minute, the spirit of God is going to be with me. The father is going to be with me. Wait a minute. If the father is with me, why would he give me the words to speak? I'd rather him get me out of there. So you're saying he's not going to get me out. He's just going to tell me what to say while I'm in. Just telling you what Jesus said here. Follow along. So verse verse, uh, 21, it gets worse. Isn't that great? Brother will betray brother to death and father his child. Children will rebel against their parents. And we're like, that already happens. Um, And have them put to death. Which is like, whoa, wait a minute. My kids are rebellious? You know, lock your doors. You know, that's... You will be hated. But Jesus, we're loved right now. Everybody loves us. Trust me. You will be hated by everyone because of me. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Or whoever stands firm to the end shall be saved. So, next verse, in light of that, right? So in light of that, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Verse 28, he's going to repeat it again. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What he was saying was this. He goes, don't be afraid of these people. I mean, the worst thing they can do is beat up your body. Your soul lives forever, right? Isn't that comforting? He goes, don't worry. They're just going to beat you for a long time. Don't need to wet that. Isn't this crazy? This is insane. And he goes, don't. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Last verse, and we'll, we'll kind of wrap this text up here. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. But I say care. Which, which means this, what he was saying was this. He goes, you know those little, little, penny, those little penny doves, those penny sparrows? He goes, they're worth nothing, right? I'm not talking about pennies. They're worth nothing. And you need to know this. You're of so much more value than that to your heavenly father, and he even cares about them. Which says this. This is the summary statement. Let me just wrap up all of Jesus said. The summary statement would be this. Bad things are going to happen. Don't be afraid when they do, because God knows God is with you, 
and he definitely cares. Because what he doesn't say is, is in essence, because this would be the trick. Remember, remember the thing of God's going to fix all your problems or whatever? That would be the thing of, of, of like, well, if you follow Jesus, nothing bad will happen. Isn't that really what Jesus did not say? Don't be afraid. Bad things won't happen. Yeah. What did he actually say? Don't be afraid when bad things happen. That's what he said. And he said, you don't have to be afraid. Now, you can be. But you don't have to be afraid. And you need to know this. It's God cares. He knows. And he's with you. So in light of that, if Jesus asks you to follow him, the destination is this. The destination of following Jesus is faith that overwhelms fear. Now, you're probably not going to get flogged. I don't want to freak you out today. If you're here for the very first time, you're, you're going to be fine. This was for them. But he was showing them this. God is not a magic trick where if you just follow him, everything works out great. God is not a magic trick where if you just follow him, he's going to fix all your problems. Again, that's not how this works. What he was saying was, if you follow me, for some of you, your life will be so ridiculously blessed that it will blow your mind. For others of you, you will follow me. Think about this globally right now. There are Christians around the world who are being killed for their beliefs. You just happen to be living in America right now in the 21st century. But what he was saying was this, is if you follow me, Whether your life is great or you go through incredible difficulty, the destination is this, is if you follow me, you'll eventually reach a point where your faith is so incredible that it will overwhelm the fears that you have in life. Can you imagine what that would look like? Let me ask you this for your question. What would that look like for you today? If you said, man, what if if I lived fearless? What if I always made decisions based on the fact that God was with me and that he cared? What what if I, I just always knew God was with me and he cares. What would you, when the doctor tells you the weird report and gives you the name of the thing that you don't even know, how would you respond? When you know that you're going to have to have a meeting with that boss, when you know the company is going to be doing layoffs, when you know that stuff is going on in your family, when you know that like things in your marriage are tense, when you know and then you're presented with that, what would you do if you were extremely confident, supremely confident, God was with you? He knew and he cared. What would you do then? How would you respond? And, and again, this is the end game for the person who follows Jesus. Now, let me give you just a little bit of, of hope here. The disciples did not take notes on this sermon, write it down, and say, okay, we got it. We're down. We're in. I'm fearless. It was quite the opposite. They, they lived the rest of their, their journey with Jesus, at least, living in a constant state of fear. You know this because when Jesus was arrested and put on trial, that out of the 12 disciples, 10 of them ran for their lives. What does that tell you? Uh, they're afraid. They were still afraid. They still were living in fear. But I want you to know, so if you feel like, man, I have all kinds of fears, Todd. I have all kinds of worries. I've been walking with Jesus and I'm a scaredy cat. I'm afraid. I just want you to know you're okay. You're in good company because the disciples were the exact same way. I'll prove it to you. Watch this. Mark chapter 4, verse number 40. Mark chapter 4, verse number 40, there's this unique story. And you might maybe remember this story, especially if you grew up in church. Remember the story where the disciples go out on a boat with Jesus? And remember, they're like hanging out and crossing over, about to go to a new town and preach. And then it says that a great squall comes up on them, which is just a huge, incredible storm. And he goes, this storm comes up on Now, again, these are all fishermen, or not all of them, but a lot of them were fishermen that had grown up on boats on the water. This was not new to them. And it says that they are afraid of the storm. 
It says they're freaking out. They're like, it's taking on water. We're all going to die. And they look over and they find Jesus asleep. Which is sometimes the way you feel when you're going through your craziness. You feel as though I'm taking on water. I'm going to drown. I'm not going to make it. And you're praying prayers. Where is Jesus? Apparently he's asleep. But Jesus wakes up and he says this to him. Why are you so afraid? To which if I were one of the disciples, I would have been like, are you kidding me right now? Do you not see the storm and the boat in the water? This is what Jesus is messing with people. This is disciples. He messed with his, his boys. So why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Think about this. They were terrified. And they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So it said they went from being afraid of the storm. And then Jesus gets up and like calms the storm. And the storm goes calm and quiet. And then it says, now we're freaked out. Because Jesus controls the elements apparently. Because you'd be freaked out too. You'd be in awe. You'd be overwhelmed. And that's what he was saying. Hey, listen, listen, listen. listen. Your life is going to feel like a storm sometimes. Sometimes you're going to feel like you're taking on water and you're barely keeping afloat. You don't have to be afraid. Because if you'll walk with me, I promise. And some of you have seen this. Some of you have seen seasons of your life where you were freaking out. But you were praying and you were following. And you saw God somehow pull off the incredible and pull it back together or answer your prayers or, 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 or rescue or save or do whatever he did. And you were like, oh, oh my God. And you were overwhelmed by it. And the problem is, is that we go six months and we forget about that. And then we hit a new storm. He says this in another, in another area. Like he's in a sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And he says this, oh, you of little faith, do not worry saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? No, not about you, but those are pretty big things. Right? This is not like, where am I going to have dinner tonight? This is like, will we have dinner tonight? He goes, don't worry, saying, what are you going to eat? What are you going to drink? What are you going to wear? For the pagans runs after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. What did I tell you earlier? You remember what I told you? I said that you can, you can walk through life with incredible faith, knowing that God is with you, that he knows. Isn't that what he said? He goes, he knows. God is not unaware of your plight. And he walks with you through the storm. It's, it's, it's not that Jesus is outside of the storm and like watching. about oh, see how they respond. No, no, no. It says that he's in the boat with them. I want you to know that like, Jesus can be in the storm with you. That he's with you. That, that, and that alone should help, hopefully give you some level of confidence and faith. Now, here's, here's why. If you're taking notes, note-taking people, you'll love this. Three reasons why this is important. So huge, so critical, why I think this is the destination. Number one is this. I think this is the destination because overwhelming fear leads to wreckage. Can I get a, a what, what, and an amen? Um, have you ever noticed that you made your dumbest decisions out of fear? Or your worst decisions out of fear? Or you, you got on the other side of a decision, you're like, well, why did I do that? And you didn't even know you were mo- being motivated by fear. You just were, were in like this compulsive state of doing things. And all through life, I see this. Like, I know people that grow up, and because of their childhood um, poverty or experiences, they have a fear of poverty, and so they become workaholics. Now, why? You're, well, fear is driving that fear of not having enough. I know other people, they fear failure. So you know what those people do? Is they start making unethical and immoral decisions to cut corners so that they don't fail. They'll do whatever it takes to succeed or get ahead. I know people that have like a fear of rejection. 
You have a fear of being left out. And so you know what you do is you end up like smothering people around you. Which is funny because you end up doing the very thing that you are afraid of doing. You push people away because you smother them because you're so afraid. And then you get sensitive when you don't get invited to the thing and you feel left out. And all of a sudden, and, and that fear of being left out, uh, that's FOMO, right? Fear of, uh, of rejection, fear of, you know, I know some of you have a fear of authority. You have a fear of authority. You got bad experiences in your life. So you're like, I won't, I, won't, I won't submit to anybody. Forget that. You know, like, nobody's going to tell me what to do with my life. You have a fear of authority. You have a fear of being single. Some of you are single. You have, you have like, loneliness, and you're afraid of being single. So you know what you do? When you're afraid of being sing- single, you, you basically lower your standards, willing to do whatever it takes to not be alone. Some of you are afraid of your kids rejecting you, so you don't discipline your kids. Why? I don't want to be mad at me. You got that split home and like, ah, she's the good cop. I don't want to be the bad cop so we don't discipline. You ever notice how like they're all fear? You notice that? And when fear drives our decision making, we always end up with wreckage. And Jesus dearly loves you. Like Jesus loves you so much. He's like, no, 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 don't live in fear. That's the worst. As a matter of fact, fear not is the most quoted phrase in the entire Bible. If you took the entire thing from Genesis to Revelation and said, what's the most common theme? It's the words, fear not. Like, don't live in fear. Don't be driven by fear. Don't live out of your phobias. Don't do that. It'll drive your life into wreckage. And you know this as a parent. When you're a parent and you look at your kids, you want them to be confident, don't you? Like you want them to be sure, you want them to be strong, you want them to make wise decisions. You can't do that living out of fear. And so as a parent, your loving Heavenly Father is like, no, 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 just follow me, just trust me. It's, you're going to get there. I want you to live a life where your faith overwhelms the fear. Number two is this, is overwhelming faith honors God. Isn't that true? We talked about like the whole relationship between a parent and a kid. Can you imagine if you're a parent, let's just, if you're, if you're a parent, and then you were over hearing your kid have a conversation with somebody and let's say all of a sudden they found out something and 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 they were like you know what i hear what you're saying but you know i just trust my dad that he would never do that and he's going to take care of it or i trust my my mom i trust my dad i trust them that they're going to figure that out they're going to take care of that what if you overheard that you'd be like yeah that's right i will because you believe in you you know what i mean like but what if your kids believed in you when your kids believe in you you're like yes Awesome. I, I, yeah. And so that, I just want you to know, I think your heavenly father sits back like a proud parent. And when you do something and you say, you know what? I know there's fear. I know there's reasons to be afraid, but I'm going to overcome. I'm going to trust. I'm going to believe. I'm going to lean in. I'm going to know and trust that my heavenly father is with me, that he knows and that he cares, that God will work this out. What would your, what would your heavenly father do? He would be incredibly proud. Number three is this, is, is that overwhelming faith frees us to love. You ever think about this? What is the number one thing? Now, again, the destination of following Jesus is faith that overwhelms fear. But when you think about what is the command that Jesus gave you to do as a follower, like here's what I want you to do. You know what it was? It was simple. He gave one command. He goes, this new command I give you, even as I have loved you, go and love one another. He did the same thing. He said, tell me about the Old Testament. You know, there's 613 commands in the Old Testament. He goes, what is the point of the Old Testament? What's the most important thing of the Old Testament? He goes, it's simple. You love God and you love people. It's 613 commands. I can summarize it. You love God and you love people. That's it. So what do you do? You love. You love people. You love God. You love people. 
overwhelming faith is the only thing that really allows you to do that. Because when you are afraid, you don't give love. Why? Because you're afraid it'll get kicked back. You're afraid, you're afraid you'll be rejected. You're afraid it'll get taken advantage. What if they take advantage of me? So? You actually can't take advantage of a free gift. It's free. I gave it to you. You, don't, you can't take advantage of grace. It's just freely given. So, so like, remember, and crazy stuff, crazy stuff. Think about this. Jesus is like, yeah, I want you to um, pray for your enemies. What? I mean, barely pray for my friends. You want me to pray for my enemies? You can't do that if you have fear. You, you know that thing about, like, forgive those that hurt you? You're like, I don't want to forgive. I, I know, but you need to forgive. You can't forgive people if you're holding on to fear. As a matter of fact, John said as much this way. This is a beautiful verse. You can chew on this one for several days. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Perfect love drives it out. Can, can you imagine what it would be like to live this way? Now, hopefully, you've come across at least one person in your life that was like this. Does anybody have a friend or somebody that they've come across? They're like, it's so weird. No matter what they go through, they just have incredible faith. Like, all of a sudden, they got the doctor report, and you're panicked for them. And then they say stuff like, hey, you know what? God's in control. My life is in his hands. Hey, when it's my time, it's my time. Hey, you know what? Wonder what God's going to teach me through this or you know i wonder how god's going to use this for his glory i don't know we'll just you know what i just trust god i'm just along for the ride and i will trust god and it's like they're as cool as the other side of the pillow they got that steady hand and nothing seems to bother them and you would you would assume they're delusional right like you're in denial no you can actually be full of confident and overwhelming faith as a matter of fact i'll give you an example of somebody that i think i think caught on to this and believed this was the apostle paul now, if you don't know the story of the Apostle Paul, he was not one of the original 12. He actually was anti-Jesus, anti-the Jesus movement until after the resurrection. And he has his own personal experience with God. And during that personal experience with God, he's like, man, I'm wrecked. This is over. I am following Jesus. And through his following Jesus, you talk about running into some mess. You talk about having some pain and suffering and beaten and flogged and stoned and all kinds of stuff. That was to throw rocks at, by the way. Um, this is, this, is what, this is what he said. He says, and we know. Now, I would have said, and we believe, right? You would have said, and we hope. But he said, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. He was saying, no, 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 I know. Like, he was shipwrecked, right? There was one time where he said, I actually was floating on a board in the middle of the ocean for like three days. I'd be freaking out. Anybody afraid of deep water? Like, it just, something, something ain't right. I don't belong in deep water. And he's like, no, no, no. I, knew, I just know. It's not that I believe or I, I know. I've seen it. I've seen God at work. I've seen God come through. I've seen God do things in my life. I know that if I'll just keep following him, I can trust him. He's going to work it out. And then a couple verses later, he says this. He goes, because, you know, who can really separate us? From the love of Christ. Shall trouble? No. Hardship? No. Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Danger? Sword? None of this. Do you want to keep going? 21st century? Or joblessness? Or crazy children? Unfaithful spouse? Terrible boss? 
Republicans, Democrats. What shall separate me from the love of Christ? Nothing. If I will just follow Jesus. Now listen, listen, listen. I'm going to give you some comfort here. The disciples did not get this on day one. They didn't even get it in year one. But eventually, they kept following Jesus until they had seen his hand at work in their lives to the degree that they said, man, I'm all in. I don't care what you do to me. As a matter of fact, Peter, remember Peter was so afraid that he denied Jesus right before the trial. That's if you know the story, he denies Jesus. I'm not with him. I'm not going down like this. I'm not with Jesus yelling, screaming, cussing. I'm not with him. He's pure afraid. Fast forward a couple of decades in his life. He'd already seen the risen Jesus right before his eyes. They threatened him and his entire family that they would crucify him. And he said, that's fine. As a matter of fact, if you need to, crucify me upside down because I'm not worthy to be killed the same way Jesus was. Go do what you got to do. You can touch the body. You got to remember, it's only Jesus that can touch the soul. So my question would be this as we close. What would you do? What would you do if you were fully confident that God was with you? That he knew that he cared, what would you do? And even if you feel the fear to the greatest of your ability, keep walking with Jesus. Keep responding. Keep reacting. Keep making decisions. Keep living out your life. What would your life look like? What would you take on? What would you do? What would you even attempt to do if you knew that God was with you? Let's pray this morning. So, Father, we just pray that, God, you speak to us, encourage us, embolden us, Lord God. Would you, God, do a work in us? God, there's some people out there today who are praying desperate prayers. God, would you please show up on their behalf? Would you do something? Would you reveal yourself, God? Even if you don't answer the problem in the way that they want the problem answered, would you maybe just show up in your presence, in your peace? Can you, can you give us peace instead of worry? Can you give us courage instead of fear? Can you strengthen our faith, Lord, and help us to walk with you regardless of what we see around us? Lord, that is our prayer today in Jesus' name. And we all shouted, amen. amen. Can you give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.